morning. My name's Chris. I uh, get to serve as the lead pastor here at the church and truly count that a privilege. I know I've said that the last couple of weeks, but I sincerely uh, count it as a great privilege to be a part of what God is doing here and, and how God is moving in and through you, the body, not just on a Sunday morning, but even more so throughout the week. And uh, I'm so encouraged as I hear stories and uh, to see what God is doing. Today begins the season of Advent, and I love what Jacob and the team just led us through. Uh, how perfect him, what he shared, him being open right at the beginning about what he's going through is a perfect picture of what Advent is about and what we're going to talk about here today. And Advent is about anticipation. It's about a holy waiting. And Advent isn't just sitting back and just saying, I can't wait for Christmas to get here. It is this yieldedness that comes before God. And Advent is a time of season where we open ourselves to surprises. Consider the surprises that God had. Showing up in a womb, in a barn, in an oppressive empire. He was born in such a simple way. Or maybe for you, it's going to be something that you see or witness. In just a moment, we're going to dedicate a child as we think about God providing his son, Jesus, as just this infant in this season. But maybe for you this season, that surprise is maybe at a service, a church service that you don't want to go to, and all of a sudden something clicks. and It's like, oh, I see. Or maybe it's in an interaction with someone that you did not think God would show up in. Or maybe for you... It is in every possible corner in the world. It's just opening our eyes to see what God is doing around us. And even more so in us. It is a slowing. It is an anticipation. Isaiah wrote these words. He said, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of the government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Today we're going to talk about a mighty God. Next week we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. The following week, the light of the world and then the Sunday before Christmas is Emmanuel. And we'll gather on Christmas Day and celebrate the name of Jesus. The world eagerly anticipated the coming Messiah. I mean, Isaiah sent a save-the-date card for Jesus' birth 700 years before he came. He's like, a Messiah is coming. Anticipate this. Be ready for this. This is the first advent. And we as followers of Jesus, we anticipate a second advent the return of Jesus Christ. So we stand in this in-between of the advent that happened of Jesus' arrival as an infant and the second advent of Jesus coming again. There's anticipation, there's a yieldedness, there's a remembrance in this. And so today we light the first of our advent candles and this candle represents hope. And hope is a word that we so often can easily associate with a wish, like I hope something happens. But hope is confident expectation that what Jesus said, what the prophets foretold, what God spoke through them, truth is true and coming. And so I invite you to pause 
just for a moment to reflect on hope, this confident expectation, and then I'll lead us in prayer. You pause. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray that this Advent season, that we would be yielded, we would be ready, we would anticipate, we would be surprised by what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, this Christmas story is filled with this yieldedness and anticipation and surprise. Father, I thank you for the story God, for what happened and how you have redeemed and restore and work through Jesus. Lord, nothing is too difficult, too messy, too hard for you. So, Father, I pray that as we walk into this season, we will come surrendered, we will come ready. Lord, thank you for salvation, eternal life that comes through Jesus. Thank you for the gift of Jesus this season. So, Lord, may we be ready. Thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' strong, powerful, and wonderful name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we have the privilege today to dedicate a child. And uh, this is something that we don't take lightly by any means. It's a great step of faith by parents and a commitment to the, the family, to the individual, to the, us as a church to continue to pray for and support. And so this morning, we have a privilege of dedicating Obadiah. So I'm going to invite Obadiah to come forward and bring his parents, uh, Aaron and Janelle. And uh, I think brothers are coming too, uh, Micah and Ezekiel. And I love that Obadiah, they call him Obi. I mean, how cute is that, right? And he is the smiliest little kid. Uh, he's just precious. About five months old, and, uh, and so this is Obadiah, Obi, this is Aaron, this is Ezekiel, and Janelle, and Micah, and Iron Man and Captain America as well, <laughs> uh, just in case you were wondering. So um, I'm going to have you guys uh, introduce any family or friends that are here. Mike should be good now. All right. Is this working? There we, there we go. Yes, we're fortunate enough to have some family members here today, so thank you all for coming. We've got Dale and Susan Boyer, Janelle's parents, and then we have Matt and Abby Maletta, so that's Janelle's sister and her husband, and then we have another one of Janelle's sisters here, Valerie Boyer, and her daughter, Leah. So thank you all for being here. Let's welcome them. I'm so glad you guys are here and have taken the step here today. Uh, Obadiah's name means servant of God. And as you'll see, he has uh, four names there, uh, Obadiah and then Axel. And I believe it was Micah, you wanted to name him Axel, right? Yeah. And you just kept telling your parents, we got to name him this, we got to name him this, we got to have that in there. And I think it's really neat, as they were telling the story, is that, uh, that Janelle's brother reminded them that Axel, L being God, Ox being uh, working one of the most beneficial, profitable animals on a farm, really meaning together this working of God, this most profitable God to work on your behalf. And I love that there's really this, the first name meaning, uh, Obadiah meaning servant of God. Uh, so we have a servant of God and hardworking with a second name. And then Shalom, 
I love that you put the, the name shalom in there, this ultimate peace. And it's far beyond peace. peace. It's wholeness in every possible area. It is a deep-rooted, deep-meaning name. And you just have a, a wonderful name. Yes, and you agree, don't you? You just smiled right there. I love that. And Janelle said that she prayed peace, really this shalom, this wholeness throughout her entire pregnancy. And, uh, and God really worked through that. And I want to share a verse that I um, just want to speak over and pray over uh, Obadiah today. Is Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And these are words that, just with the thinking of the meaning of his name and what you've already prayed over him and spoken over him with a name, is that this real servant heart would come through him as a child and a teen and as an adult, and the impact that he would have far beyond your family uh, as that servant of God who is uh, working for the Lord. And Aaron and Janelle, you bring him here just like uh, so many others before you in this church, but far beyond when Hannah brought Samuel, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus. It's a way of committing to the Lord. And this commitment is far than just this one-time reality, and you know that. It's an ongoing dedication to the Lord, an ongoing prayer, an ongoing speaking life into your children. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says this. It says, these commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. So again, not one time. It's this ongoing impressing on them. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so, yes, we're dedicating Obadiah today, but we're really dedicating you as parents uh, as well. And so I have four uh, questions, four charges for you today. Do you solemnly dedicate yourselves to raising Obadiah in the nurture and the counsel of the Lord? And then will you reject the ways of Satan, reject the ways of the world, and reject the ways of our own sinful nature as you teach and you train him? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the Holy Scriptures, and therefore you'll teach Obadiah God's way in both word and deed? And then do you this day solemnly dedicate Obadiah to God that he may live for the Lord all the days of his life? And absolutely. And so today we dedicate Obadiah and we speak that blessing that the gifts that God uh, has filled him with, that will fill him with and empower him by his spirit would, would be uh, beneficial to the world um, and honoring to God. And we speak peace over you and your family. We speak that really shalom, that wholeness over you and pray that over you as well, um, that he will grow into all that God intends him to be. And so if it's okay for me to hold him and we'll pray over him and see if he'll... Hi, I'm gonna turn you to look at your parents. Hi, bud. There, there's dad. All right. All right. If you want to lay hands on him, I'm, I'll come over here. So, And then, church, let's agree in prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for the gift of Obadiah. Lord, thank you for his life. Thank you for all that you intend for him. God, we pray first and foremost that he would know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, that he would confess you. Father, that you would fill him with your spirit and you would use him in a mighty way, God, to serve you in all the ways that you desire. Lord, I pray that you would protect his mind, his heart, his body. Lord, that you would surround him with your spirit and your protection. Father, that you would grow him in all the ways that you so desire. Father, I pray that his family, that Aaron and Janelle and Ezekiel and Micah, God, would be um, all that you've designed them to be for him too, that they would be an encouraging support. Lord, impressing your word upon them and walking 
And so, Father, today we pray your blessing. God, we dedicate him in the name of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we want to say that we love you and we're so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' strong, powerful, and wonderful name. Amen. 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 Hey, buddy, good job. Give me back to daddy. All right. With that being said, I want to give you a few gifts. And uh, just uh, so thankful for you all. So may the Lord bless you. Give him a round of applause. The Bible. love dedications. That's, just feel the families stand up here, just that sense of, of what God has before. And I think that we talked about hope, what God is going to do. And that doesn't end when they're little. It's with all of us. And uh, I, I want to take just a few minutes here before we jump in. We're going we're gonna to be in the book of Colossians chapter 1, and then also Matthew chapter 1. So if you'd turn there, I want to say a few thank yous uh, along the way here, I want to speak out of gratitude, and which, by the way, if you were not here last week uh, and you've not yet listened to the message, I encourage you to do it. Pastor Gurton shared a great word, teasing out the difference between being thankful and gratitude, and I have reflected on that all week long. Am I just being thankful in the moment, or is there something deeper that's going on in this? And so out of gratitude, I want to say thanks uh, to so many people. Last Sunday, we had Thanksgiving dinner here. I want to thank Jackie and Denise and Rachel for their work and everyone else who contributed uh, to the meal, to the setup, to the teardown, to the cleanup, all sorts of different things and the resetting in here. I also want to say thank you again to Rachel uh, and her team for decorating the church, and they've still got a few more things to put up, but just so thankful for those that came out this week. I want to say thank you to all who served in Lighthouse a week ago Saturday. Lighthouse is our food pantry, and um, I think there's about 40 or so families that came through and were blessed and encouraged and prayed for. But what I loved at the beginning and have in there is, I think we had more volunteers on Saturday than I've ever seen in there. And in the annex across the way, in the living room, wrapping around in the dining room and into the kitchen was this circle of prayer. Normally it fits in one or two rooms, but it just kept flowing. And those who were coming to receive food and care and ministry were in that circle as well, praying. And uh, it was just a beautiful sight. So I want to thank all who were involved in that and all who donated turkeys a blessing to many. I think I mentioned this last week too, but I want to say thanks again to all who participated in Operation Christmas Child. We had somewhere around 125 boxes that went out of here. That's a huge number uh, as we look at that. And that's 125 uh, children who will be blessed with the gospel and, and gifts around the world. So thank you for being a part. And then yesterday too, there was a funeral meal here. I want to thank all who were a part of that uh, for Bertha Sims, 99 years old. Uh, a great woman of faith, and, uh, and so it was just a great celebration, so thanks to Al and Judy. And then in advance, too, and this is a little plug uh, for tomorrow, I want to say thanks to those who will be distributing hot chocolate downtown during the parade. Uh, we'll have a set up at the Union, and we want to invite you to come out. So if you're hanging out down there, you're looking for a place to connect, uh, feel free to come hang out at the Union at 102 West Michigan, and uh, we'll be there. Heat's on, you can hang out inside, use the restroom, drink some hot chocolate, hang out up front, watch the parade. And we'd love to see a lot of you out there. So all that being said, uh, we're going to jump into uh, the word here today. Many of you know that many years ago, I served a summer in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was a real form formative summer working and living in the federal housing projects there. Uh, 
the Vanderbilt football team there heard about what was happening in the neighborhood and they wanted to contribute to the ministry. And so the football program said, we have a bunch of free weights and benches and a lot of different things that we want to give you. And they said, why don't you come down to the university and pick them up? And so Dove and I, my mentor who was there, we drove down, went into the football facility, which was amazing, and, uh, and we walked back to the storage room. And along with us was many of the staff and football players. And they, we were all going to carry out all the equipment to the truck that we came in, the big moving truck. Now, it may be surprising to you, Vanderbilt is a Division I SEC football program, so some phenomenal football. It may be surprising to you that those men are much larger than I am <laughs> and much stronger. Now, you may be shocked looking at like, come on, Chris, you could play Division I football. You, you've still got it even at 44 years old. You've got it. Uh, Thank you. That's very kind of you. But as we were carrying these weights out, I found myself looking around, looking at these football players carrying out a whole lot of weights, lots of weights. And there I was, like, carrying whatever it was, and I tried to look tough, right? I wanted to look impressive, so I'm loading up way more. Inside, I'm just dying on every trip, just sweating. And, and I remember thinking, if I was only a little bit stronger, maybe a lot stronger, this would be a lot easier. And I've thought about that day a number of times because there's been other times in my life where I've thought if I was only a little bit stronger, I could make it through this situation. If I only had a little bit more ability, then I could do whatever it is. And I imagine maybe you've been there as well. You've been facing some sort of situation and you've thought if I was only a little bit stronger, if I had a little bit more intelligence, if I knew how to navigate this relationship, if I knew whatever it is, fill in the blank, then I would be better off. This is a reality that we walk through life with. This may be a daily occurrence. It may be an occasional occurrence. But nonetheless, I have felt like I'm not enough many times in life. And I imagine you've been there, or maybe you even feel like you're there today. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul is writing a letter to the church. He's in prison, and, and I'm sure being tasked with the gospel to take it to the Gentiles, he's like, I'm sitting in prison. What am I doing here? This can't be what it is. And I'm sure he felt like he wanted to quit. I'm sure he felt like he was weak. I'm, I'm sure he felt defeated. But Paul, he writes this letter to a church, to the people that he had never met. And if you read this first part of Colossians, we see that the church is really faithful that this church really loved people well and was really full of this love. And in verse nine, we pick up in Colossians chapter one. Paul writes, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I wanna pause here. This is something that just popped into my mind in first service and I wanna reemphasize it, is this. He did not stop praying. Some of you have approached me, many people have approached me and said, I don't know what I can do. The only thing I can do, and I know it's not very much, is pray. I'm like, yeah, that's huge. Thank you. Is for some reason, we think that prayer is this afterthought and all the real work, all the real ministry happens everywhere else. And so if you're ever in that situation where you're like, I can't do anything but pray, awesome, do it. Do it. For those that are doers, we need to stop and we need to pray more. Allow God to lead us. So don't ever feel like you're less than if all you can do is quote unquote pray, all right? There's much more. All right, continuing on. 
We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now there is so much we can unpack in this passage. This is a rich passage here. But verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. By a show of hands, who likes to be patient? Who is like awesome with patience and loves to endure, especially when things are hard? No, I'm not really raising my hand. There's, there's not many of us, if anyone. Patience and endurance is hard because what we want to do is we just want to get through it. We want to push through it. We want everything to be better. We want everything to be fixed. We want to have the power. But this passage says being strengthened with all power. And this is the word dunamis. This is a word that in our English language, we get our word dynamite, right? Dynamite is not like a little firecracker. It goes pop. It is this explosive, amazing power. And this is the word that Paul is using here, being strengthened with all power, this dynamite-like power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have endurance and patience. Guess what? You're not going to get through it in your own power, in your own might. This endurance and patience is a supernatural reality that comes from the Spirit of God. It's God's power. And as we heard earlier in Isaiah, when Isaiah wrote these words, he said that, this child will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah wrote this not when everything was perfect. He was writing the 700 years ahead so that the people would hold on to it because they were in a season of political upheaval. They were in a season of captivity and discord and division and corruption. And he said, but there is a Messiah coming who will be Wonderful Counselor, who will be Mighty God, who will be everlasting father, prince of peace. And what he uses for mighty God, this word El Gabor, El Gabor. This is what it means because our English language is really sad when it comes to translating words in scripture. This is a start. This is what it means for mighty God. is like champion, great helper, hero, mighty, warrior, strong, valiant, chief, giant. And that's just a start of how to describe God. That this child, this gift from God, this is the mighty God that we serve. Jesus, the mighty God who spoke all creation into existence. Consider Jeremiah 32, which says this. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Just pause for a moment. Jeremiah is saying you have made everything by your power and outstretched arm. And what is too hard for God? Nothing. Say Nothing. Nothing is too hard for God. See, Jesus, the same mighty God, always prevails. Not only did he speak creation into existence, he always prevails. Psalm 24 says this, Who is this king of glory? The Lord. What? That doesn't sound very strong and mighty. He's what? There you go. I like it. The Lord mighty in battle. This is a God who prevails. Not some wimpy God who's an afterthought that we pray, hoping might intervene, might do something while we try to do everything. 
Jesus, the mighty God, has great strength. Psalm 18, verse 2 says this. The Lord is my what? My what? And my what? My God is my? In whom I take what? My? And the? Of my salvation, my? All right, those are pretty amazing things. And do you see how the psalmist personalized this? He didn't say the Lord is this, this being out there that sometimes is a part. No, he's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. Serve a mighty God, mighty God. Consider Jesus, the mighty God who has authority over everything. In Genesis, Sarah asked the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? In Luke, the angel replied to a question that Mary asked, saying nothing is impossible with God. And Jesus himself affirmed it when he spoke of God when saying, with God, all things are possible. Let me ask you this. Are you facing something that seems insurmountable? Are you facing some difficulty? Is there some sort of health situation that is impossible? Some sort of relationship breakdown that seems impossible? Are you growing weary? Are you losing heart? Let me encourage you turn to Jesus, this mighty God. In Ephesians, Paul encouraged the church there with these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, just pause there for a moment, everything the human mind can possibly think of is limited. And God can do immeasurably more than what we can think of. And it says, according to his power that is at work within us. Not my power, not your power. His power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. It's God's power, this dynamite-like power, this mighty God, this creator, the sustainer. Jesus, whom we're called to fix fix our eyes upon. Consider what the author of Hebrews had to say. He said, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Here's another word. There's endurance and patience and perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let me just pause here. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those who have run the race. Earlier today, I mentioned Bertha Sims who passed away and we celebrated her life yesterday. The woman of great faith. A woman who persevered through all sorts of hardships, all sorts of disappointments and let down. And I saw yesterday generations sitting in that room who talked about her faithfulness and how it's impacted them. This is a race, a perseverance that's there. And here it is. What is our responsibility? Verse two says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, to fix our eyes, we lock in to something or someone. We fix our eyes. Like right now, like I'm going to fix my eyes on Dom. You're sitting right in the middle there, buddy. So I'm fixing my eyes on Dom. Now, I'm not looking at others. And this is what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus. I can quickly come over here and look at Chris. I can fix my eyes on him. But I'm called to center myself here, back here. Like we very easily 
can look at a lot of different situations. And so what we do is when we face hardship, we're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I trust Jesus, but I'm gonna look at my situation. And I'm gonna focus on this. And I am just as guilty as any of you. And so what I do is I just swirl in the situation and it gets me all just wrapped up and I'm like, no, 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 no. I gotta fix my eyes on Jesus. No, back to the situation, fix my eyes on Jesus. It is this reminder, this recentering of whom we follow, whom the mighty God is. And why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? He is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Pioneer and perfecter of faith. So you can have faith in yourself or faith in other things, but he is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Not grow weary and lose heart. It's easy to do. Because when we focus on our situation, we become consumed by it. And there's a weariness and a losing heart of like, it's not getting better. It's not getting better. A reminder, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Verses here. Author Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a story about passengers who are on a ship in a severe storm. And the waves are just crashing over the ship. And the passengers who are down below were whispering, are we going down? Is this ship going down? Are we safe? One of the passengers said, I, I have to find out. I can't just sit here. And so this passenger ran up and he found the captain. And he went to the pilot house and he saw the captain firmly holding on to the wheel. And the captain turned and he saw the fear in this passenger's eyes. And the captain didn't say a word. The captain just smiled at him. And this passenger turned around and ran back downstairs. And he said, we're gonna be all right. I've seen the face of the captain and he smiled at me. And this is the same thing that God did by sending Jesus. When we looked at the face of God, that can be big and immeasurable and just hard to comprehend. But when we look at Jesus, we can look into his face and see the smile of Jesus. God incarnate smiles upon us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God smiles on us. Would you flip over to Matthew chapter one? Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The ultimate pinnacle of might is the ability to save people from their sin. We serve a God who can do many other things, 
But this is the pinnacle of might, is that we were lost and we needed a savior. We deserved hell. We deserved death. We deserved destruction. But God sent his one and only son, El Gabor. He sent his one and only son, the mighty God. And Jesus' name literally means Lord is salvation. He literally sent salvation to us so that we can look upon salvation's face and know that God is good, that God loves us. Now, when we look around in our world, there may still be chaos and relationships and our health may not get better and there may be brokenness around us. But the ultimate might, the ultimate saving we need be saved from our sin, from this eternal death and separation. See, Jesus, the mighty God, he meets us in our greatest need. We may perceive it to be something else, but the greatest need we have is relationship with him and salvation. He meets us and breaks us away from that bondage of sin. He meets us and he brings us into relationship. He meets us and reconciles us to the Father. He meets us, pays for our sin. Jesus took it upon himself. Jesus took it upon himself. And this is the starting point. There are people who sit in this room who have said yes to following Jesus, who have acknowledged that they're sinners and that they need a savior. And the starting point for salvation roots back in the fact, as the word says, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. There's a perfect God. Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. But the gift of God, Jesus, is eternal life. And the beauty of this is that God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still distant, while we were still broken in relationship, Christ died for us. The word tells us that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be saved. But this is far greater than just like knowledge, like I believe, but rather this is a depth. There's a declaration that the word says. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And what this is, is taking this old creation, Jesus makes us into a new creation. God loved us that much. That is what this salvation is. And for those of you that have not taken that step, I encourage you to take a step of faith this season. Take a step of faith to be changed by the one who brings about a great work. And for those of us who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, who are Christians, who are following after him, I want you to be reminded of whom you put trust in for your salvation and to be reminded that that's the same God that is working in whatever you're facing. In 2 Corinthians, Paul pulls the words of Jesus here. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul follows that up by saying, hey, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This makes zero sense, right? right? Why in the world would we just want to brag on all our weaknesses 
the insults that people have said about us or wrote about us or the hardships we're facing or persecutions or difficulties. Well, Paul says, well, it's when I'm weak, when I realize that I'm just, there's a mess, that it's the Spirit of God, His power that gives me strength, not me fixing everything. So in the middle of all of those things, it's the power of God at work within us. And I go back to Colossians chapter 1, where we started. Paul wrote, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks. Followers of Christ, it was never promised to be easy. But rather, we have a God who knows what's happening and he knows our hardships. And he wants to fill us with his spirit and his power. And so as we wrap up in prayer, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. Whether you have professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna encourage you to take a step of faith and say, yes, I wanna follow after Jesus. I wanna confess my sin. I wanna begin that here and now. And then I'm gonna pray a second prayer, which you're gonna find it to be remarkably similar for those of us that are followers of Jesus, to be reminded of the power of God and the surrender before him and the desire to follow after. Let's pray. So if you're here today, you're online watching right now, you have never surrendered your life to Christ, you have never confessed your sin, you've never said, I'm in need of a savior, I've never, never said that, I need you, Lord. Make this your moment, make this your step of faith. Pray these words from your heart. God hears, God knows. God, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I wanna trust him as my savior. I wanna follow him as my Lord from this day forward. God, guide my life. Help me to live according to your plan for me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And I wanna pause just for a moment. I'm gonna encourage you just as a, a step of faith um, that you would just proclaim that, that you would proclaim that you prayed that, that you desire that, that you want that, that that's something that you just proclaimed. And so I'm just gonna ask you if that's you. I'm gonna go old school here. I'm just gonna ask that you raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you forward, not gonna call you out. If that's you, just put your hand up. Just say, that's me. I prayed that today for the first time. That's me. Anyway. the room for each follower that's here that knows Jesus. I'm going to ask you if this is something God's working in your heart, that you would pray these words. God, I've sinned. Lord, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. 
And I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. And again today, I want to trust him, not only as my savior, but especially as my Lord from this day forward. But again, renew me and guide my life. Help me live according to your plan for me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And the same thing for you is that if that's you today, you renew that, you're reminded of the power of God. That's that you slip up your hand. Say, that's me. I'm praying that again. I'm believing that. Yep, yep, awesome. Thank you. Lord Jesus, God, you know the work that you've done. Lord, the saving work. Lord, in the reminding work of who you are. God, you are the mighty God who saves. Saves us from our sins. God, saves us in so many other ways. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we would walk through this season open-handed. God, ready to be surprised. Ready to yield to you ready to embrace, God, what you're doing. So, Lord, I want to say that we love you. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. As we enter Advent today and we walk through this season, I asked for a service this question. It just popped into my mind, and I'm reminded of it. As years ago, I asked, who do I want to be when Christmas Day comes? And part of the reason we pause as a church is to prepare is to be reminded, to work our way towards Christmas, is that who do I want to be on Christmas Day? When I wake up Christmas morning, what is it that I want to experience and know and think? When I walked through that Vanderbilt uh, football facility, that day I wanted to be really strong. But those men had been training probably their entire life to do that. And they started with day one, and then day two, and then they probably forgot on day three, and then they got back at it on day four, day five, and then they probably quit for a little while, and then they got back at it. It's this perseverance and endurance, right? It's this continuing on. And so if you feel like you're just laying on the ground, you're like, I've done it so many times, I've gotten back up so many times, I've renewed so many times, God just says, come on, let's go. I welcome you. And so I want to encourage you in this season is, just to ponder that, to pray about that, is like, God, what do, you, what do you want to do in my heart in this entire season? What do you want to do in my mind? What do you want to do uh, with my actions, with my words? And, and then how do I daily take steps to walk in this? And there's a zillion different ways to do that. And, uh, and if you have questions, I'm happy to help you. One of the tools we want to give, and again, I'm not trying to add to your season, only if this will bless you, is that we're providing um, this devotional. And there's only about six or seven of them left, so you're going to have to run out there really quick. Um, if you want a hard copy, uh, sprinting for the door. Otherwise, everyone else, um, go to this QR code, and there's also, it'll be on social media and on the weekly, the link that's there, and you can download the entire thing and have that on whatever sort of device that you have. Uh, but it's a daily devotional if you're looking for something to help walk you through this. There's great questions, great insight, and great scripture in there. So I want to encourage you with that. And then as we head out of here, um, just uh, continue to stay connected uh, pay attention to the weekly for our number of services that are coming up during the Christmas season. We'll be talking about those as we get a little bit closer, but we're excited to be able to celebrate. After service today, I believe, who's up for prayer team today? 
I have John and Shirley. Uh, John is here, and uh, maybe someone else from the prayer team can hop up. John, do you mind coming forward? And then if someone else from the prayer team is here, um, you can hop up there too. So if you have any sort of prayer, any sort of praise, whatever it is, um, John will be up here and possibly someone else, and they'd love to pray for you. Stephen Ministers will be back at the cafe. If you're looking for some sort of ongoing care, spiritual care, um, and um, direction for God, towards God, go back there and see them. On your way out, uh, make sure you say hi to someone. Introduce yourself to someone. I guarantee there's someone here that you don't know. So introduce yourself to them and, uh, and make sure that you connect with them. And just be reminded, church, that you are sent. God bless you as you go this week. Thank you.